I'm so glad you guys are joining us here at Parallel Church. Welcome. If it's your first time, we are so thankful that you decided to spend this morning with us. To all of our online, welcome to you guys as well from wherever you're watching around the world. We're so glad that you're tuning in, either whether it be now or later. Let's give our online audience a big round of applause. Talking Okotoks, Tabor, Claire's home, Lloydminster. Am I forgetting one? No? And here. You guys can have a seat. Uh, Pastor Kelly and Pastor Joy Lynn are in Claire's home, blessing that church this morning. And you guys get me for the finalized version of On the Road again. Uh-oh. Are you guys the noisy ones? Are you noisier than 930? Can I get some? Okay. Tell me you're here with me. Participate as much as you can. What a series it's been. We've been up to Lloydminster. We've been to Okotoks. And to be quite honest with you, uh, I wrote this message probably like a month and a half ago, and I didn't know how many times I would need to preach it to myself over that month and a half. And if I were to be completely vulnerable with you guys is that this has been a really weird season. And I don't think I'm alone in it. It seems like a very unsettling season. And I'm talking and having a lot of conversations with people that are like, I don't know what it is. I just, I can't find my footing in this season. I can't. I can't point out why I'm like unsettled in here. You ever like, how do I say this? I want to talk to the people this morning that have walked into rooms for years of your life where you felt comfortable, but you walk in now and you don't, you, you, it's, it's different. You see things differently. Where the paint used to be nice, shiny, and new, and now it's all tarnished, and you're like, God, what are you doing? Or say you had relationships where you felt really, really close with people for a very long time, and now you're at a certain point in your life where you're looking at them, and it's like, do, like I love you, but I, I, I need some distance. I want to talk to the people this morning that have that, that same unsettled feeling. And most of all, I want to talk about transition. And I think too often, as individuals and as humans, we look at change and transition as a very similar thing. We, we talk change, we talk transition, but they're very, very different in what they are. Change is a change of your circumstance. Certain things are shifting. You go to change your tires. You go to change your latte because that's the wrong one at Starbucks. You go to change your outfit. It's, it's, you change your job. It's, it's, it's very flippant. But transition, I think, is something very different. I think transition is a very spiritual, mental, and emotional shift that God is doing in your life, and he's conditioning you to never be the same. He's taking you from where you were to where you need to be in this season. I want to talk to the students that are in transition. I want to talk to the families that are in transition. I want to talk, like, am I talking to the right audience this morning? Because I can't, I can't get over this. Something is unsettled, and God is doing shifting. And I don't want to call it a change, because a change is something that, that comes periodically, but a transition is something that sets me up for the next season. And I think that's what, can I just challenge us this morning that maybe you don't need a change in your life. Maybe you're going through transition. That maybe God is taking you into something you've never been in before. And the cool thing about transition, you might not, not, you might not think it's cool, but sometimes, sometimes you probably go to the gym and you've seen that, that, that tool that they use at the gym. It's the ball on the underside and it's a platform on top. You're supposed to stand on it. Uh, I think it's the tool of the devil. I've never been able to do it. But it makes me think of transition because what transition does is transition creates an unstable environment. 
where nothing is, everything's on the table. It's all up in the air, and you're like, you can't grab at anything and feel, feel confident in it. And so I think of that tool, and I want you to envision, I tried shopping for one. Apparently, I don't sell them anymore. Uh, probably liability reasons, but I want you to envision, like, I'm standing on it, but I'm wavering. And what that unstable environment does, the purpose of that tool is for you to find your core strength. It's for you to lock into what's necessary and stop leaning into the stuff that's unnecessary. And so what the purpose of an unstable condition is for you to navigate where your core strength is, everything else falls away. And so while we're going through this message, I want you to think about where you're at in your life right now. And I want you to think of the stuff that you may have needed in a season, but you don't need anymore because it's not a necessity. My wife and I, we go hiking quite often, and it's amazing to me what people will throw on their backs and try to go up a mountain like, like they think the world's going to end as they got their pots, their pans, their sleeping bags, their tents, and everything. And at some point in the hike, they got to let it go. Because God can't take you up there with the weight you're carrying down there. So I just want to give grace today that if you're in a season where you feel like you've tried everything, you've tried changing your routine, you've tried changing your diet, you've tried changing your clothes, your outfit to match whatever's in style, and, like, and it's not, nothing's working, that maybe you're in transition. And it's an okay place to be. It's an exciting place to be. Amen? Okay, let's get into this. Before I go any further with this, I also want to make note, note that our God is a God of intentionality. That no man can plan like God can. There, tweet that. No man can plan like God can. There's nothing you can do that can plan better than God can plan. And everything about your life has been intentional. He's, more, he's just as intentional about your past as he is your future. I look back on my life and some of the stuff that I went through, and I'm just like, I really, did I really need that? And I, get to, I, I realize where I'm at right now. I say, yeah, I needed that. There were some lessons to be learned in that season. There were some relationships that were core in that season. And so what God does in your life, nothing is by accident, but the things that you step into, everything that God uses, nothing is wasted. So I want you to look at your life while we're going through this message. Be like, man, what do I need to carry with me in this season, and what do I need to let go of? And it is a constant struggle between what kept you comfortable and where God wants to take you. Amen? There's a beautiful handoff that happens in Scripture between Elijah and Elisha. And Elijah... Uh, if we look at his life, he was the prophet for God. And he just gets through this incredible victory against the prophets of Baal, where God shows up in a miraculous way. And then after that, Jezebel is after his life and wants to end him. And he's found hiding under a broom tree. And God says to him, Elijah, what are you doing here? Get up. And Elijah wakes up and there's food, there's drink, there's, there's stuff to restore him. And the reason I'm telling you that is because if you're in a situation in your life right now where you're waiting for transition to happen, I want you to know that God cares about healthy transitions. And if you're waiting for your transition, it's because God is making sure that the person that's also involved in your transition is healthy to take that over. That he's restoring the people that are necessary in your life to help give you that hand up. Because God can't use a broken Elijah to go and get an Elisha. So he's restoring Elijah, and he even says in scriptures, like, the journey is going to be long. Like, you need to, you need to get ready, because what you're going through is going to be long. And so the reason I say that is because this handoff between Elijah and Elisha is so beautiful. And if you were going to call this message anything, I would encourage you, please don't, like, don't just, don't just take it inaudibly. Like, pull out whatever note thing you have. Take notes and, 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 and bring it into perspective of your life. 
If you were to call this message anything, it would be work what you've been given. It is the four tests of transition. And there is a beautiful example of what Elisha does in this transition where he aces it every single step of the way. And I think there's something we can learn from it. So that's where we're diving in today. Are you guys ready? Let's go. Let's go. So we're going to start in 1 Kings 19. And this is about Elijah. It says, Then the Lord told him, Go back by the desert road to Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Hazael to be king of Syria. Then anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, to be king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel, Mahola, I think I said that right, <laughs> to replace you as my prophet. Anoint Elisha to replace you as my prophet. When I read through this text, I don't see anywhere where God was telling Elisha that Elijah was coming. And so that begs me to think that God is telling people about you that he hasn't even told you yet. He's telling people something about you that he hasn't even told you yet. That's how good our God is. We can't talk about a God who's good at preparing our lives if he's not the God that sets up our destination before we get there. I remember when Jen and I were moving out here and we didn't know anybody but we knew that we had to be here. And when we got here, within like the first couple of nights, there was people showing up with beds at our door for our kids and people inviting us over for Easter dinner. There was community because some of our biggest fears was like, what's going to happen when we get there? Are we going to have to like tough it out for the first little bit? Are we going to have to be awkward and go knock on doors and be like, hey, we just moved here. Do you want to be friends like when you were kids? <laughs> Remember when you were kids and you just go door to door? It's like, just moved here. Do you have any kids we can play with? Yeah, that's what it felt like. But when we showed up, we were blown away, is that when God calls you somewhere, he also sets up the support system there. And so Elisha doesn't know, does not know that Elijah is coming. But watch this. This is really intriguing in this next verse. It says, so Elijah went and found Elisha, who was plowing a field with 11 other teams ahead of him. He was at the end of the line with the last team. Elijah went over to him and threw his coat across his shoulders and walked away. Can you imagine being in the mall and somebody just comes up and throws their cold on your shoulder and like walks away and you're like, oh, I know what that means. <laughs> this is what they would do when they were passing a mantle over. But I find it really intriguing that Elisha was on the 11th field with the 11th team in like finishing things up. And it begs me to ask, I'm going to ask a lot of questions of you today. It begs me to ask is that are you standing on field two and complaining that God hasn't done anything with you yet? Work what you've been given. What do you have in your hands right now? Too many of us, we get started where God is, wants to take us, but then we stand halfway through and like, God, this sucks. I don't want to do it. And the reason that I think it's so profound that he chose Elisha is because, and why that's in scripture and why it's important, is because the faithfulness is the key to a healthy transition. Like whatever you have in your hands right now, are you faithful with it? Will you see it through until the end? Elijah's not just picking anybody. He's picking the guy on the 11th field and the last team. They're finishing up. That guy. I can, I can use that guy because he saw through what he had in his hands. Elisha's plan that day was to plow the field, and he wasn't expecting to carry the mantle of a prophet. So this, is, this brings me to test number one. And if you're writing it down, this is test number one. And this is the test of faithful perspective. The test of faithful perspective. How you see something determines how you handle it. 
So to give you an example, if you see prayer as something that you have to do, you're going to handle it differently than somebody that desires to do it. If you see worship as something, when you walk into the church, as something, well, I guess everybody's doing it, so I'll, I guess, goalpost it, right? If you see that you have to do it, you're going to do it way differently than somebody who's waited all week to get in here and get in the presence of God. And full, like, like on their last hope kind of worship. You know what I'm saying? Like, do you get where I'm, where I'm going with this? How you see it determines how you handle it. So it's the test of faithful perspective. What do you see in your hand? How are you handling that? that, that it may be a seed, but a seed is not insignificant just because it's small. It's just not come to its fullest potential yet. So my questions are, can you see the value of what's already been entrusted to you? Are you working with what you've already been given? Is your hand on the plow in the areas you're believing God to do the most work? Are you planting where you're praying? Transition is going to require a new level of focus. And if you are easily distracted, you are easily disarmed. Yeah. What do I mean by that? Is that if you are searching and taking every, well, I guess I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to go there. I'm going to sign up for this because, well, I may, and then anybody ever been there? It's like, for me, it's like watching a fly. A fly doesn't know where he's going. Just hitting the window. Boom, 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 boom. But if we live like that, we are easily disarmed. We're not rooted. We're not grounded. We don't have anything to hold us true. And I think in September, and, and I've done youth ministry for 15 years, like I, I know what that looks like in, in people where they're just like, I don't know, I don't know what I'm going to do, so I'm going to try everything. But it's just like, let's just, where are you? Who do you have around you? What's in your hand? Let's start there. Start from there. Get a good footing. Is this speaking to anybody today? Yes? Okay. Thought you were the rowdy crowd. <laughs> Let's go back to the scriptures. First Kings 19 says, Elisha left the oxen standing there and ran after Elijah and said to him, first let me say goodbye to my family, my mother, my father, and then I'll go with you. Elijah replied, go on back. Why all the excitement? Like, of course, go, go take care of your business. Elisha then returned to his oxen, killed them, and use wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. I'm sorry for the translation. <laughs> Some of you are like, this, oh, I thought they talked about that stuff in church. Nah, it's just, it's in there. He passed around the meat to the other plowmen, and they all had a great feast. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. This is test number two. This is the test of provision. The test of provision And it took me a long time to figure this out, but God can't take you where your comfort keeps you. Where everything around you is good and comfortable and familiar as God wants to take you out into the unfamiliar. Because there's no reservations out there. That's why he called Peter out on the water. Peter was very comfortable being in a boat. He was a fisherman. But it's like, what does it look like when you come out of your comfort zone? Imagine the things that you could do. The test of provision asks, what have you kept in your comfort cabin as a backup plan in case the God thing doesn't work out? See, the cool thing about God is he doesn't have a plan B or a plan C for your life. God's not sitting up in heaven biting his nails, worried about, oh, I hope they do that. 
Like, can you imagine a God that's, that's, that's uptitled like that all the time? Like, he's not up there biting his nails and saying, like, oh, myself, oh, myself, I hope they... Because he's God, get it? Oh, my. <laughs> Come on, folks. <laughs> Stay with me here. He's not freaking out about your calling. He's not freaking out about what he put in you. God has a plan A for your life, and that's it. Yet we live our lives with a plan B in a contingency just in case the whole God thing doesn't work out. And God's up there like, I'm more confident in your calling than you are. What would your life look like if you leaned a little more into your confidence of what God already placed in you instead of being like, well, uh, plan B? What would your life look like if you walked around with the boldness and the confidence that you are where you need to be and that you have what you need? It'd be completely different. Your commitment to your calling will put a demand on you to know and trust your source. So if I'm committed to what God is developing me, then, then my, my trust needs to be like, I can burn my plow, I can roast my oxen, and I'm still going to be okay. The cool thing about Elisha, he's like, I'm not leaving me any reason to come back to this place. I'm eliminating all of my plan B, plan B, plan B. Like, I'm going into the unknown because I know that's where God is calling me. It's the test of provision. And too many of us get stuck on our journey to where God wants to take us at that point because we all like security. We all like the comfort of knowing who we have. And it's just that comfortable place. But God can't do anything with you there. Can't develop you. Come on. Yeah. Ah. I get really excited about this. I don't know if you are. Second Kings 2 says this. So Elijah and Elisha have spent some time together now. He's mentoring under him. He's learning the ropes. And now we're in 2 Kings 2, and it says, Now the time came for the Lord to take Elijah to heaven by means of a whirlwind. Because if you didn't know, that's how we all go out. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> there, it, there it is. Elijah said to Elisha as they left Gilgal, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. But Elisha replied, I swear to God that I won't leave you. So they went on together to Bethel. And there the young prophets of Bethel Seminary came out to meet them and asked, Did you know that the Lord is going to take Elijah away from you today? Quiet, Elisha snapped. Of course I know it. And then Elijah said to Elisha, Please stay here in Bethel, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But Elisha replied again, I swear to God that I won't leave you. So they went on together to Jericho. Then the students of Jericho Seminary came to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take away your master today? Elisha's like, Would you please be quiet? Of course. I know it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan River. But Elisha replied, As before, I swear, I will not leave you. This is test number three. This is the test of proximity slash pride. And I have two in here because there's two interesting things, two interesting dynamics that are happening at this point in the story is that, number one, Elijah and Elisha have spent some time together. And if you've ever had somebody in your life that you pictured as a mentor or as a, as a father or a mother figure, that, that separation is a hard thing to consider. Somebody that's poured into you. And I'm looking at Elisha's life and he was plowing fields and Elijah's probably the only, the only one that ever came up to him and said, hey, here's my mantle. I see something I see potential in you. Have you ever been that person where somebody came up to you and it's like, I see something bigger than you than what you see in yourself. There's value in that. 
But when you have somebody consistently doing that to you, they become a spiritual figure in your life. And so what's happening here is all these prophets are coming out and be like, psst, he's leaving. And Elisha's freaking out. He's like, I know, like it's hard enough internally to deal with and emotionally the separation, but like just stop bringing it up. The other portion of this is the pride section. Because when transition is on the rise, pride loves to just drive its wedge right in there. Your mentor, he's leaving you. Do you know that he's, he's going and you're, you're do you know that, it, that, that that time is over and yours is, 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 is coming? Wouldn't it just be so easy? And the enemy would love it for pride to just drive its wedge in there and mess up your commitment, your faithfulness, and have you jump to a quick finish because you think you're better or because you think you're more talented or because you think you have better skills or whatever it may be. It's the test of proximity and pride. He's about to lose his mentor, but at the same time, when we're in transition, if we want a healthy transition to happen, it is so much more beneficial to wait out the long run than to think that you can make it happen quicker because you want to rush the system. There's, there's still something in the process that you need to learn, and God is taking his time with it until you're ready because it's destructive if you're not. Stress, pressure. So I'm talking to the people in here today that, that you're, you're, you're tired of waiting. And God's timeline is not your timeline. And you're like, come on, God, like, I, like I'm ready. I'm like, just put me up there. Like, like, like watch, watch what I can do once this, watch what I can do. You know what I'm saying? Don't let that pride seep in there. It is, it is destructive. And it will stop the blessing that's going to come if you just see it out to the long run. If you just wait it out a little longer. My question for this test is, are you at just enough distance to get what you want? Or are you close enough to hear what you need? So let's talk in relationship with God. Are you at just enough distance that God is really convenient for you? He's like a 7-Eleven and when you're hungry, you go to him. Or are you at close enough distance that you spend time in the word, that your devotions and that your worship is very personal and you have this tight relationship with him and you have an open heart to receive even things you don't want to hear from him. It's a test of proximity and pride. Let's move on. Second Kings 2. So they went together and stood beside the Jordan River as 50 as the young, of the young prophets watched from a distance. So Elijah and Elisha are standing at the edge of the river. All the prophets are over there because they know that Elijah is going to be taken away in a whirlwind. And I just love this. Then Elijah folded his cloak together and struck the water with it, and the river divided, and they went across on dry ground. When they arrived on the other side... Elijah said to Elisha, what shall I grant you before I am taken away? What do you want from me? What is something I can leave you with that I can't provide you while I'm gone? And Elisha replied, please give me twice as much prophetic power as you had. And Elijah says, you've asked a hard thing, Elijah replied. If you see me when I'm taken from you, then you're going to get your request. But if not, then you won't. As they were walking along, talking, suddenly a chariot of fire, drawn by horses of fire, appeared and drove between them, separating them, and Elijah was carried by in a whirlwind to heaven. 
Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the charioters. And as they disappeared from sight, he tore his robe. You guys ever done that? You're just so like distraught. You're like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> tore his robe. Then he picked up Elijah's cloak and returned to the bank of the Jordan River and struck the water with it. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? He cried out. And the water parted, and Elisha went across. Finally, this is test number four. This is the test of reproduction. Not talking babies. <laughs> Easy. You're like, well, that took a turn quick. No. It's the test of reproduction. And the question to this test is, will what I've been shown and taught work for me? Will it work for me? I come to church, I attend, and I hear Pastor Ralph, and I hear Pastor Kelly saying all these miraculous things about people getting healed and everything, but I sit in the congregation week after week, and I wonder, is it going to work for me? Can God do that for me? Or maybe you are in a mentorship relationship right now, and you're looking at the individual as like, man, I want, I want to do, I want to do what, they, what they do. And can I just tell you, every time you say a statement like that, it buries and diminishes the gifting and the beauty that God has put in you. It's not that you don't admire what they do, but to see yourself doing exactly what somebody else does is a discount to the giftings that God's given you. And why would you want to be a cheap copy of somebody else when you can be a daring original? When you can be the first of your kind? When you can do what nobody else has done before? Why would you sell out for that? In the mentorship relationship, the beautiful thing about it is not that you become somebody else, but it's because you take on the values, you take on the lessons, and you take on everything, the experiences that you wouldn't have to suffer for, and you take those, and then you add your intrinsic value on top of that, and you watch what God thrusts you into. That's how we move forward, church. Nothing, like every position, is temporary in God's kingdom. <laughs> Why? It's intentional, so that the people coming up don't have to suffer the hardships that the people went before had to do. So if we fight now for our kids, they won't have to fight. You hear me? If we break ground in our community and start, and start restoring our cities, then our kids aren't going to have to spend a generation trying to do it. And our God is not a maintainer. He's a multiplier. So the giftings and talents that are in you are not just for you to live your life out and cut it short. The giftings and talents that are in you are actually meant to be multiplied through other people. And so when Elijah and Elisha is like, give me a double portion, I don't think that was a selfish request of Elisha. I don't think it was pride talking. I think it was talking. I've learned what I need to learn from you. Now let me, let me, get my, like, let me put my intrinsic value on this and watch what double portion means in this next season. But too many of us are like, oh, I'll just maintain it. I got it, I got it, I got it. I'll just see it out until my days are through or retirement. And we just, we just coast. And God's like, no, there's something, there's something so necessary inside of you that needs to come alive in this season. When I talk about transition, if you're unsettled, I honestly believe that, that God, that's God just putting you in an unstable environment and shaking away all the unnecessary so that the things that you're going to face come in these next few months, you're ready for and you're not going to be weighed down by the stuff that held you back years ago. Amen? Yes. Now watch this. Elisha goes over, and he picks up the cloak that fell from Elijah as he was carried away in the whirlwind. 
And he does the exact same thing that he just saw his mentor do. He goes over to the river. The tactic is the same. The behavior is the same. And he smacks the water with it and says, where now is the Lord God of Elijah, my mentor? The same God that allowed him to do the miracles that he did as a prophet. Where is he now? And I want to ask, are you living on borrowed faith? Is your faith your own? Or have you been living off the faith of your household because you went to church as a family and God is some kind of concept in your home, but you've never really adopted that faith as your own? Be like, my personal relationship with God. And grown in that instead of being like, well, my parents believe, so I guess I'll believe. You know what I'm saying? Is that you're taking, Elisha is taking it and he's saying, the same God that parted these waters for my mentor, I want them parted for me. The question for this test, the test of reproduction, will, will what I've been shown work for me, but also, hmm. not only will what I've been shown work for me, but if I do this, God, are you going to see me through it? Are you going to see me through it? And I think the final question that I want to ask you today is where do you have reservation where God has clearly given you invitation? Where are the things that you're reserved about where God has opened a door here and opened a door there and opened a door here and, and then something, something inside of you just keeps saying like, eh, not yet. Well, when? And if you were to look around your city, I asked my daughter to make the stage look like her bedroom. If you were to look around your city, I wonder, I wonder if you can see the cloaks that have been left lying around everywhere for someone to pick up. There have been people that have gone before us and done amazing things. There are people that are currently do, doing amazing things, not just in our community, but in our church. But if you're sitting in a season where you're idle and you're flipping through your newsfeed and you're like, I don't know what to do with my life. Can I just challenge you on one thing? I wonder what it would look like if you went up and picked up a cloak for kids ministry and been like, I have intrinsic value. I have something I can offer there. I'm going to bring it in and you step into that unknown because you've never been in there before. I wonder if you go over and pick up a cloak from my city care and be like, I've got a little bit time on my weekends. Instead of maybe going through my newsfeed a thousand times, I'm going to feed some hungry people. And then you add your intrinsic value there and you take it further than, you know what I'm saying, church? Like it's time. It is absolutely time. I'm going to pick up the cloak. Of our, of our host teams and our environments. And it's like, I show up week after week. I'm present. I'm here. But you know what? I have experiences in my life that nobody else in the room does. So I'm going to offer that up. It's... It's the test of reproduction. If you've passed test one, two, and three, and you're at this point, and you're like, I don't know what to do. It's like, get to work on something. Step into that unknown. Would you just let those reservations slide to the wayside because God wants to do his greatest work with you in the unknown, away from your comforts. And the reason everything's looking tainted and, it's, and, and unsettled is because the transition is going to require a different level of, of focus out of you. We can't call on a new season without being willing to step out and be like, what does this look like? What does this look like? 
I wonder if you see the cloaks. There's so many cloaks lying around. Where every single person in this room has a very distinct, intrinsic gifting that if you were to pick it up, you would take it to its next level with what you have to offer. There is not one person in this room that has nothing to offer the kingdom. Not one. And if you're in transition right now, if things are unsettled, it's because God is calling you to a different level of commitment in your life. It is a different level. Amen? Amen. Are you hearing me this morning, church? Like, this is, this is so, so key. Would today be the day that you identify which one of these four tests are holding you back? What if today was the day where you recognized, it's like, you know what? Yeah, I have been sitting idle. And I've been frustrated with God that he's not doing anything with my life. Or would you recognize, I have all these resources. And I show up to church to get my fill, and then I leave. I wonder what it would look like if those resources were dispersed amongst multiple people. I wonder what it would look like if we could fill thousands of backpacks and give immigrant families who came to our country with nothing, like their kids a first shot at school. I wonder what that would look like. I wonder what it would look like if we stopped living life for just ourselves and just stepped outside ourselves for a second. My goodness, Parallel Church could overturn some serious soil. Come on, this is what we're called to. We are rebuilders of cities. We are restorers of homes. But we can't do it sitting on a fence. The easiest place to fall is sitting on a fence. And what you have to offer is not insignificant. It may be small, but it's only small because it hasn't been developed yet. The takeaway today is this. Faithfulness. Faithfulness is the space between no longer and not yet. So hear me out. This is the example. I am no longer a child, but I am not yet fully a mature adult. So in this space, I'm going to be faithful with whatever I have. I am no longer just an attender of church, but I am not a fully committed attender of church. So whatever I have in my hands, I'm going to, I'm going to be faithful with it. It's the faithfulness. I'm no longer plowing a field, but I am not yet fully experienced prophet. So in that space, I'm going to be faithful with whatever I have. And as I asked you at the beginning of this message, look at, like, well, look at what's in your hands right now. What do you have? I'm not just talking material things. I'm talking about the things that you, you know that are deep inside of you, that if they were to be put on display, they would change hearts. They would change lives. And I'm not talking put on display, but they are out in the open and your, your, your reservations are no longer there. There's people that are sitting in this room right now that if let loose in their gifting could change lives this week. Because I look at my life and it was changed by people operating in their giftings. It was changed by people who are outside of their reservation and said, I see something different in you. I see potential in you. And they pulled it. It was uncomfortable. It's still uncomfortable. And they start unraveling all the unnecessaries out of my life. And then God 
through many tests and many transitions and still going through it, it's very unstable. That's why I was vulnerable at the beginning. It's like, this, this is not fun. I can't navigate it. It's unknown to me, but there's a deep peace that I know that God is working something significant right now. And I believe that for your life as well. So the grace in this room is because you may not understand this season, but do not lose hope that God doesn't see where it's going. And be open-handed that it's a season of transition. You're like, God, I'm just, I, I don't know, <laughs> but I trust you. I speak Jesus over the uncertainty in my life. I speak Jesus over my family. I speak Jesus over my finances. I don't know what my finances look like later on down the road, but God, I speak your name all over it. I speak your name over my relationship. It's unsettled right now. It's not, con like, it's not strong. We're not fully committed to it, but, I, but I'm going to be faithful in it, and I speak your name over that too. You hear me this morning, church? Let's pick up these mantles. These mantles are lying all over the place. It is time to get active. It's time to do something because there is a desperate need for hope where we live and it's ownership saying, I have something to add here and I'm going to put my intrinsic value into it. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much. It's you are the God of transitions. Father, I think about where you brought the Israelites out of slavery and transitioned them into the promised land. God, I think about, you're just, you're just so good at making sure that where you're calling us to, there's support there. Father, I pray that you would give us a peace in the unknown. Father, I thank you that you are settling uncertainties in people's hearts right now all across this room. And I thank you that your confidence in our calling, Father, rises up like a roaring lion inside of us, Father, that when our hit, feet the, hit the floor in the morning, that we are ready to go in the direction you're calling us. Father, let our ears be open, our spirit be open, and our hands be open to what you're asking us to do in this season. In Jesus' name, amen. In this room, all across this room, if you're here for the first time and you don't understand God, you, you may be just checking out the church for the first time balcony, I see you too. Is, is this, if this God thing is foreign to you, let me just tell you what we're about. We're about a God that sent his son to die on the cross to save us from our sins and that we can have a personal relationship with him. And then we take the power that comes from that and we go out in our community and we change it. If you're in this room right now, you don't have a relationship with God or you've never said a prayer that invites him into your life, I wanna ask you to do that this morning. And if you recognize this is a transition season, this is what open hands look like and say, God, I'm willing, I'm ready. I'm gonna ask you into my life. So if there's people in this room that have never said that prayer before, I wanna say that prayer with you now. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, let's pray this together. Say, Heavenly Father, I'm asking you to come into my life, to be the Lord of my life, my Savior, my friend. And I thank you that my past is past. You have great things for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Without respect for everyone in this room, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you said that prayer for the first time, you're like, I recognize it's transition season. I recognize that I need this relationship. Would you raise your hand boldly and be like, yeah, today's the day. I'm transitioning. Thank you. Thank you. So good. I'll look around one more time. So good. 
Amen, amen. Let's give a round of applause for people that made the decision in-house and online. If you said that prayer online, would you just click I've said that prayer and we would be happy to follow up with you guys.